Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. One morning, God says to me, um, you'll touch 50 million people. Uh, I, could, I could not digest it. And then a couple days go by, and I finally write it down, because, you know, you should, write, you should write things down, but I was scared to write it down, because writing it down would mean it would mean something, right? It took me back to experience I had when I was about 12 years old. My dad was a preacher. We were at a church. This woman, Reverend Frances Cannon, I'll, I'll never forget her. She says, you, she puts her hand on me. You will touch millions of people. I'm about 30 years old on the highway, 35 maybe. Car is behind me, flashing its lights on Philadelphia Highway, okay? I keep driving, flashing his lights, honking his horn. I finally pull over. This guy walks into my car, lean white guy. He's like, I'm so scared. Like, God told me to pull you over. He has a message for you. You need to touch people. And that's exactly what he's doing. God definitely had a plan. We're joined today by James Russo Sr. He is the CEO of Holy Culture Radio. Today on Connections, he's going to share with us how he made a transition from the corporate world to nonprofit and how this experience has impacted his life and his faith. James Russo Sr. joins us today. He is the CEO of Holy Culture Radio, which reaches millions around the world. For those out there who have never heard your name, don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I'm the founder of a company called The Coiling Solutions, CEO of Holy Culture. I am, uh, I guess I would call myself a uh, recovering, still recovering and transitioning former corporate uh, executive. I left the corporate world in 2018 to pursue my passion and purpose, which I believe is uh, communicating the gospel and helping build up other leaders. Uh, I've been on that trek for, I want to say about 20 years. And uh, I think like most people still figuring out, right? I think I'm just self-aware that I'm figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) What what was that transition like going from the corporate world to what you're doing now? Because that's, that's quite the change. Very, very difficult. Um, well, okay. So, wow, I'm, I'm going to contradict myself. So on the one hand, it was easy in the sense that I had been working towards it for quite some time. So in 2009 or 10-ish, I was a senior vice president at J.P. Morgan Chase. I had uh, moved from the uh, lot, staff side of the company running um, large operations in different places to the revenue side. And I had done a lot of different things. And Life was good. And then I felt like, you know, it was time to make the move. Right. And it was interesting because I had finally got to the revenue side. I was managing a book of business. that was like a billion dollars in receivables. I was doing a bunch of different things. And I got this call about a job in Chicago. And my wife and I were born and raised in Philadelphia. We had never moved before. And uh, I was a president gig at Allstate. And it was like, you know, if we take this job, this job could lead to things that get us ultimately to freedom. And so we said, well, let's move. So we moved to Chicago. We did that for three years. Uh, then I got another call to go further west to Dallas and Oklahoma that for three years. And then so when the opportunity finally came in 2018, it, it was like, this is the time. This is the opportunity to exit. And so I would say in that regard, all the saving, all the discipline, all the stewardship, like, yes, this is the moment. What was so hard about it was you get so many people saying to you, you're at the peak growth time in your career. Your C-suite, you're growing, you've been a president, you're now the chief commercial officer of the company. How do you, you know, you're, you're on a board now, I'm, on, I'm serving on the board of another company, you're board eligible for other public companies. How do you walk away and go do, you're going to do what? Nonprofit, 
you're going to go run a nonprofit. What are you talking about? Uh, so that that was the, you know, the dichotomy, if you will. What's interesting is you mentioned freedom, like it gives you freedom. But what kind of freedom was it going to give you? Financial freedom, correct, is where you're going. It's going to give you freedom. But did it really give you the freedom that you were looking for? I don't think financial freedom. I think the freedom to. Well, OK, so I'm fiscally I would say I'm, I'm extremely fiscally conservative. So there was a there was a, an amount of savings I needed in my mind to give me enough room to, to, to take the risk. Right. And I think when you do the laws of business and the number of businesses that fail in the first year and then the second year and the third year. And because I've helped so many small businesses in my career and I know those numbers on the back of my hand, I remember saying to my wife several times, I just need to make sure, you know, if it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I still want to eat, you know, so I still, you know, and so I think it was a number of those things to feel comfortable. And then two, I don't know about you, Colleen, but I think the Lord's always working on us in terms of, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's like the crucible we read about in Corinthians and the, that person um, refining the gold and pulling the dross off of us. Some of that was just the work on me and the willingness to say, I'm not going to know it all. And I got to be comfortable that he's going to do the work. Now, you made that transition. You're yeah. doing God's work now. What does yeah. that feel like? He works in the most amazing ways and does the craziest things. <laughs> like you yeah. said, you went from this amazing position in the corporate world to basically, you know, nonprofit. Yeah. It, it is. Um, well, let's see. I think the first several months it was, wow, we are out here. We are doing it. I think it was another shock of I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I remember moving from financial services to insurance. And I remember, you know, going from Chase, which was, uh, you know, trillion, you know, several trillion dollar company to Allstate, which is a $35 billion company. And I remember, I remember walking in thinking I had the playbook and I go in and they asked me to do this role, stand up this new organization. I said, sure, I got the playbook. I've done it before. And then I get hit with all the rules and regulations in the insurance industry. And I said, whoa, you didn't, no one told me it worked like this. You told me you wanted me to, you know, kind of build this business the same way I had done in the credit card business. But now there's all these rules and regulations. And it took me an additional 12 months to figure it out and working with the lawyers and doing all those different things. And so this was a similar shock, except I knew not to bring my playbook to a certain degree. I knew I was going to mm -hmm. have to learn a playing field. And so in the nonprofit space for me, it was, okay, this is what I want to do. We want to empower people to reach their potential. We want to help youth figure out their passion and purpose and go live it out. I had a total lack of appreciation for how many other organizations were to the left and the right trying to do the exact same thing. That was the first thing, right? I had no idea, even in Delaware alone, how many organizations were trying to do the same thing. So that was, I think that was part one. I think part two was um, I had no idea of maybe um, the, there wasn't nearly as much collaboration as they may be in some of the other professional sectors. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I could help with that. And then three, I had to figure out how to develop myself in this new space, right? I didn't grow up in media in total, right? I spent some time in radio and some different things, but I, I didn't grow up in this space. So now I've got to figure out how do I learn um, and, and get myself together. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about Holy Culture Radio, how that all came to be and what your goal is with this organization. Yeah, so Holy Culture was founded by a gentleman named Vic Padilla back in uh, early 2000s. He was uh, a gentleman who fell in love with Christian hip-hop. 
uh, a group named the Cross Movement. One of their albums was called Holy Culture. And so the company is belovingly named after that. Uh, him and I met. I was doing uh, Christian hip hop as well. I was doing a radio program and podcast. He heard it. He said, hey, why don't you bring the show over? Uh, the more we work together, we, the more we enjoy working together. And he invited me to be a part of the company. And the rest is kind of history, right? And so when he left, I took over in full. And um, I had the Coiling Solution as an organization, really more career and leadership focused. We we did um, the 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 hip hop stuff too, but I was so I was so much more focused on the book I had written that turned into a curriculum. And so my idea was, how can we fuse these things, right? Mm-hmm. And how can can we create something that people kind of feel like they're learning, but not totally get that they're learning. So the whole idea is the channel is listen, it's a um, spiritually infused channels, Christian hip hop, music and talk 24 hours a day. Um, when we first were, were venturing out to do it, it was all digital, right? We had digital app, um, a mobile, um, we had the website and all those different things. And then we went after serious, gosh, almost 10 years ago, it didn't work then. And this time we went, <laughs> we got the opportunity and then, uh, we started programming with 14 shows. we launched on April 21st of last year. Uh, it's been a crazy, wonderful experience. I mean, God's done more than I would have ever expected to, to say I expected we'd have five million listeners plus is uh, I would never would imagine that. But I think I think what's I think there's a couple things. Right. So one, the, the programming, the way I think about it is this. I, I hope I believe people every day are experiencing what I would say, progressive music and empowering conversations. And there's an acronym I use, FAVE, F-A-V as in Victor E, Faith, mm-hmm. Arts, Vocation and Education. And those are things that are natural to people. When you do research, people have faith. Um, 81% of people check in and say, yes, I believe in God. And and, and that spiked during the pandemic, right? Um, arts, people have some form of art. They they do. Vocation, man don't work, man don't eat. And education, people have to matriculate and learn in all aspects. So we try to have that weave throughout what we do. And uh, we found that uh, people have been receptive to it. And I hope whenever people turn off the channel, they feel like they've had a dose of some uh, healing hope and how to's right. How to do something. And, um, so far it's been working pretty well. What's the typical response that you get from a listener? Um, wow. I did not know there was so much Christian hip hop. Like a lot of folks, <laughs> yes. you know, when you think about it, right. Colleen, a lot of folks had, yeah. had heard some at a CCM festival, right. I was at this event and I saw, you know, name your favorite artist, right. Jeremy, someone, or, you know, third day or so on and so forth. And they saw Lecrae or they saw yes. Andy Minio, or they saw KB. But to now hear a station that's playing, we we played, we did our numbers at the end of the year, and we played over 1,200 artists. Um, now, you know, the top 300 obviously got more spins, but still, people going, I have no idea. Right? I thought there was probably like you know, 15, 20, <laughs> 50 of those guys, not several hundred. What would you say to those listeners out there that are like, I'm not, not willing to give that a try? Um, I, I, I would, first of all, th- would say, don't be repelled by the term Christian, right? I would, t- I would tell you to check in on forward progress, uh, spiritual check in on faith. You have to believe in something, check in on forward direction. I mean, the stats are staggering to me. La- last year alone, there was over 2.3 million downloads of Christian meditation apps. That was a 300% spike year over year. Um, there was, uh, like I said, 81% of people are saying, look, I, b- I believe in God. I believe there's a higher power, right? Um, there's a there's a sense of we need a galvanizing force in our country, in our world. 
So I would say before you check out, check in on something that could be different. Um, that could be a different soundtrack in your life. Sometimes people turn on music to have it in the background and you can't help but, but be honest that what we listen to affects our mood and what we take in comes out in some kind of way. So just think about the lyrics you're taking in every day. And by the way, I don't want you to think Christian hip hop also is every song is beating you into hell or saying you have to give your life over. A lot of songs are very, um, they're so creative in terms of talking about some of the practical issues of life, Mm. right? And just from a a worldview of of the Christian worldview. And so a lot of times you're listening, a lot of people I know who quote unquote aren't professed Christian are listening to songs going, you know, I didn't think about that topic that way. That's very real, you know? And so check in. And a lot of them do have stories behind them and it comes out in the music. Very much so. What's your favorite part in everything that you do now? I actually, some of what you just said, I, I enjoy the conversations. I enjoy when I listen to the shows, having 14 shows four that are daily. And then uh, the, the ones on the weekend now, now nine uh, on the weekend, an additional show we just launched on Tuesday evenings from uh, reach records, which is Lecrae's record label. Um, I enjoy discussion, right? When we, when we move away from trying to be right, and we move mm-hmm. towards trying to engage. I enjoy that so much, right? There was a time when um, in Christian hip hop, just like a lot of things, we're trying to talk about the right way to do it. And I love that it's so diverse. And I love mm-hmm. that as a people, we can embrace diversity. So in as much as we can be a platform that invites people in and says, you know what? I don't agree with everything, but there's a space here that I enjoy a lot. And so I'm here. I'm loving it. Our average listener time, Colleen, is close to 30 to 32 minutes. And when I, every time I talk to the guys at Nielsen, they say, you know, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it because actual average, you know, uh, FM listening time is about 12 minutes. So <laughs> it's almost three X. <laughs> yeah. So, so people are hanging out. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I enjoy that. Throughout this time, has there been a moment that has really impacted you that is really just kind of, changed your outlook on life and just overall like through this experience with holy culture radio and everything else uh your own organization has there been one moment that really just went "Mm." (sighs) man how can i tell that in in a few minutes i was reading the book the circle maker and uh but that's what it talks about right he talks about how you walk circles around your biggest prayers and one part of the book he talks about literally in washington dc the building they wanted for their church he will walk around that building saying prayer right and um one morning I said, you know, I have to get better at that. In my prayer life, like, you know, a lot of times I'm like doing these shotgun prayers, you know, you pray, you pray, and then you walk away. Like, well, no, actually you should pray, <laughs> take some time and, you know, hear what God's saying to you. So I started getting into that routine in a specific place in my home. And one morning God says to me, um, you'll touch 50 million people. Mm. Uh, I could, I could not digest it. And then a couple of days go by and I finally write it down because, you know, you should write you should write things down. But I was scared to write it down because writing it down would mean it would mean something. Right. Yeah. It took me back to experience I had when I was about 12 years old. My dad was a preacher. We were at a church. Um, they, we were up at this big conference. This woman, Reverend Francis Cannon, I'll, I'll never forget her. She says, you we're like 10 rows back. Come here. Hmm. 
My mom says, she's calling you. Pushes me out. I go up there crying. Colleen. <laughs> she puts her hand on me. You will touch millions of people. Wow. I'm about 30 years old on the highway. 35, maybe. Car is behind me. Flashing its lights on Philadelphia Highway. Okay. I keep driving, flashing his lights, honking his horn. I finally pull over. This guy walks into my car, lean white guy. He's like, I'm so scared. Like, God told me to pull you over. He has a message for you. You need to touch people, but I need to tell you the rest of it. Right. Okay. First of all, you know, we don't do that wow. on the East Coast. No. Okay? <laughs> we don't really do that anywhere. Anywhere, right? And so, um, and so I get home, I tell my wife, and, you know, and, and you know, we, we, we actually had dinner and a beautiful conversation with her. These three experiences. Um, so when Sirius XM said yes, and we looked at a lot of the information, one of the, one of the pieces in the business case, we put together proposals, about 80 pages, and one of the pieces in the, business, in the proposal was, there are 50 million people that listen to gospel music every month. So the number 50 million kept coming up, part one. Part two, the, so when you asked about a life-changing moment, the day I came in that we were going live on April 21st, when I sat at the board and our signal went live, that moment almost broke me. It was like we just turned on with the opportunity to start touching millions of people. I think that moment, I just, I was happy but tearfully just, I don't know how to express that moment, the euphoric, um, like, God, this can only be you. God's plan had come to fruition, finally. Yeah. Did you expect it to come in that way? No. (laughs) I did not. did not. What is your hope moving forward with all of this? That... I'm able to, we're able to, that God allows me to be a good steward and create something that um, outlives me, that we create a model that someone else can assume and run. I do believe that positions are for an appointed time and that we're stewards in a chair, that we don't hold on to roles and positions. I mean, they really are for a season. And so that when my season's over, I'm handing it to someone else who will do the next thing with it. And so I'm hoping that, you know, I want to hear the same thing, right? Well done for my good and faithful servant. So I want to make sure I'm building a sustainable organization. For our listeners who want to learn more about your organization, want to learn more about Holy Culture Radio, want to learn more about you and your entire experience, how can they go about doing that? Sure. You can go to holyculture.net um, forward slash about if you want to read the story. We have a little chronology there. Um, you can go to um, all our socials or at Holy Culture. Uh, if you want to know more about me, I'm just at James Rousseau, R-O-S-S-E-A-U, senior. I'm a senior because I have a junior. So senior, so that's sr.com. I have a little website and such. And uh, yeah, that's it. And I respond to all emails and such as well. So there you go. Thank you so much for making time. Thank we you, appreciate it. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.